0: Good morning everybody and welcome to episode 191 of the Ask the Coach show where ping Seals helps you improve your table tennis. Jordan 191 was the first Formula One car built by the Irish registered constructor and was used in the 1991 Formula One season. It's Technique Tuesday and today we're going to look at one of my favourite strokes, the slow spinny topspin. In the questions, We talk about your non playing hand, uh, what to look for when buying a table, and whether you can become good with a non standard grip. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Uh, Good morning, everyone,
1: and uh, interesting, interesting facts. Well done. And, Jeff, um, on the theme of 191, it was actually interesting that my on this day, came up with a fact from 1991. And there that you is, go. Yeah, there you go. That Monica Sellers um, earned $2.4 million um, for uh, for the year. And that was achieved on this day. And that was a record at the time. And you know what? $2.4 million, it's a lot of money, right? I just heard yesterday that Djokovic just broke the men's record yesterday by winning the... Uh, the end of year tour grand finale thing. Um, now he's up to 20 million for the year. Not bad, huh?
0: Wow, that's impressive. Is that just prize money or does that include other things?
1: Prize money.
0: Wow, prize money. incredible. There you go. So, you know, table tennis is getting better. Um, you know, the world tour had a lot of money this year. I can't remember exactly how much. I think it was 3 million in prize money. Um, for the World Tour in total, though. Um, so I guess it's got a long way to catch up to tennis.
1: Yeah, it has. But, uh, yeah, certainly on the right track. And, you know, uh, if, uh, if tennis can do it, you know, table tennis is so much better game to watch, isn't it? So much yeah, better. Yeah,
0: certainly is. And, I, and I think yeah, I love the direction the ITTF are taking. And hopefully, you know, in years to come, we'll be talking about the records that uh, some new table tennis player is breaking
1: absolutely that's it that's what we want
0: all right now because it is tuesday i want to get straight into technique tuesday alloys and talk about this slow spinny topspin because i really like this shot
1: oh yeah it's one of my favorites too and that's why i put it in because we both like it um both used to use it a lot so the slow spinny topspin is underrated we got to start using it more guys Um. you know like um I see I see everyone nowadays just like trying to belt the ball and try to hit the ball hard now, especially with the with the new plastic balls, you know, you just can't hit the ball as hard. So why try to just blast through people? Let's get some more variation happening, especially at, you know, at the club level. So at the club level, if you start trying to belt the ball, you know, you just can't do it. Can't hit it fast enough to get through people. So let's think about the slow spinny top spin. So what is it? Basically, it's taking some pace off the ball, but we're generating a lot of spin. That, what that does is it makes it harder for your opponent to block the ball. The speed difference between the fast and the slow also means that the, the blocker needs to come forward. And often that'll find them reaching out and losing control out in front of them. And that ball will fly up off their racket because of the spin. So, how do we execute the slow, spinny topspin? The the one of the main things is to get a more vertical stroke with your um, with your action. So, so rather than coming forward, just think about coming more vertically. And the critical part is just making sure that you're just brushing the ball on contact. So, by just brushing the ball on contact, you're going to start to make that ball spin more. So you can see there by brushing it, the ball starts to spin and it's going to sp- start spinning really fast. Um with a nice high arc over the over the net to start off with and you're going to cause
0: your opponent some trouble. Yeah. Now it's called the slow spinny top spin, but what about our arm speed?
1: Ah yes. Good point, Jeff. I like it. So you, your arm speed has to be fast. Why does your arm speed have to be fast? so that you can generate a lot of spin. So if you just come through slowly, like I was just demonstrating, um, if you come through slowly, then you're only going to generate a little bit of spin. If you come through fast, you're going to generate lots of spin. But because you're contacting it fine, the ball isn't going to move so fast. It's going to have a lot of spin. So all the energy goes into the spinning of the ball and not the speed of the ball. So So you want that really fast, sharp action, but more upwards, fine contact, and you're going to get a slow, spinny, greasy topspin. Yeah,
0: excellent. All right, give it a go. We've got a great video on this, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So check out that video on the slow, spinny topspin. It can work off any type of ball, but I especially like it off a backspin ball. So get out there, try the slow, spinny topspin, and mix it up with some of your fast ones for the best effect. All right, good luck, guys. All right, alloys. Um, what happened on this day in history? I've already
1: done that, Jeffrey. Are you oh, are you asleep? I am. Nineteen ninety one. Monica Sellers. Do you want me to go I know, through it again? But it was
0: just there, and I hadn't clicked it. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> We've already done it. Monica Sellers, prize money. Love it. Yeah. Everyone I've got loves the topic. For
1: you. I've yeah, got another, you got one another one. one? 1955, um, Ian Botham was born on this stage. There you
0: table. go. Famous English cricketer.
1: Yeah, and he used to be a thorn in the side of the Australians. He used to always give it to us. He was so good, Ian Botham. He, he so, was good. Been, he was 80, good. Excellent.
0: Field. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to um, yesterday's Ping Skiller's question of the day, which was, have you ever played in a tournament? And if you have, what was the last tournament you played in?
1: Yeah, so i just got to find it again. There it is. Um, yeah, so we had quite a few responses. So uh, uh, Brightco Lightly said uh, he played in the under-18 just yesterday. Um, Rory Goulding played in an under-800 and over-40s over event two weeks ago. I still struggle playing new opponents, he said. My serve return is not strong, to say the least. So, Rory, I think, you know, playing tournaments is a really good way of improving that, though. Um, playing tournaments, you get out there and you get an opportunity to play a whole lot of different people um, and also see a whole lot of different people of different levels, from your level um, up a lot higher. Um, so by by seeing those serves, by getting a chance to to play against some of those serves, that's the that's the best way you're going to improve that uh, return of service. So keep going with it. Um, so uh, Dana said uh, one tournament, at the Oregon State Games, July of this year. Partially disabled, and he ended up entering the wrong division, so he didn't quite get it, get his rating right and uh, ended a entered the um, the event that was way too high for him. Um, Shay said that uh, the Australian Junior Nationals, and uh, did quite well there, Shay. Eugene Liu said, I played in the team tournament, which is pretty bad. I played three teams, all lost, not even one game won. I really need to train harder. Good point, Eugene. Um, and, uh, and you know, I think uh, we've talked a lot about just the connection between training and results, you know, that that training and res, uh, results connection. Once you understand that, then it's going to help you to, to train better, to train harder, and also... Th- what you need to train when you when you're out on the on the uh, on the court. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you you understand that, Eugene. More training will lead to better results. And Dennis said way back in 2001 was the last time I played in an annual uni games tournament during my college days. So there you go. So yeah, quite a few responses, and good to see pl- people playing tournaments. Really highly recommend uh, you get out there and play some tournaments.
0: We certainly do. Certainly do. Great for your game. All right. Moving on to today's Ping Skills question, which is what is the hardest shot in table tennis? So, as always, jump onto our Facebook page or the Ping Skills blog at pingskills.com and let us know what is the hardest shot in table tennis? And
1: we don't mean the shot, we mean the most difficult shot.
0: Yes, that's what we mean. What is the most difficult shot? All right. Now we've got some really interesting questions today. So I hope you got your thinking cap on, Alois. Uh, Need a cap. (laughs) All right. So Sassy has asked, is there a perfect professional position for the non-playing hand? I'm a right-hander who keeps the left hand fully open at chest level and that looks a bit odd when I recorded a video for the first time. I've never seen myself playing before.
1: Yes. So the best position is to stick your finger in. No, it's not. Don't lie to them, Jeffrey. <laughs> um, so, um, the, the, the basic thing that you need to think about with your non-playing arm is to allow yourself to be balanced. So I see a lot of players with their arm just down beside them like that. So by having your arm down beside you, it um, it doesn't... Uh, help your non-playing side of your body to help you. So you end up playing like this with only your your dominant side working hard. So you're doing this, this side of your body isn't helping you at all. So the non-playing arm, ideally, just get it up nice and balanced. So up into this position here um, is a good way to start. And that helps you to balance your body. And it also increases awareness of uh, what's happening with the uh, non-playing side of your body as well. So for me, it's my right side. So um, that's a that's a nice, simple position. Some other things that you can start to think about doing with uh, your non-playing arm is just starting to help you with the rotation. Um, again, it's really good feedback. And I was using this last night, um, coaching group, we we um, we had and a couple of the players were starting to utilize this really well so by by thinking about you can think about even drawing a circle around um around you and that will help to get your uh, waist rotating so by using that circling action here it pulls your body around and then you can think about what your what your uh, playing hand is doing by going up for your forehand for example so that Uh, position there is really i mean it's quite vital um as as part of your whole um skills and techniques of of playing the game remember if you've got it down here or if you've got even if you've got it here it'll tend to cramp you up um so yeah so just keep it nice and balanced so that it's giving you more awareness that the non-playing side of your body can help
0: you as well yeah very interesting discussion great question there sassy And um, yeah, good to see also you videoing yourself and this is how you've picked up on this. So that just shows the benefit of watching yourself play. So if you haven't ever watched yourself before, just get out a phone, take some video and have a look. And for all our premium members, you know, we've got a video analysis service. So take some videos, send it to us and uh, we'll take a look at it and give you some feedback. So take advantage of that uh, premium members. All right. Thank you, Sassy. Good luck. Let us know if those tips help you out. Now, um, Alois, Victor E has jumped on and said, did you see my, expectic- my expect my my expectations for your number 200 show? Now, Alois, I think he wants us to do like a four-hour show with lots of demonstrations and stuff. It's pretty elaborate. Um, what are we going to do for hours? our 200 show?
1: Four hours? You want to yeah. listen to me, and, and you want to listen to Jeff for four hours? Really? Imagine how many funnies he's going to be able to tell in in
0: four hours. I could tell a lot of jokes. That'd be great. I could just go you joke could... after joke.
1: Yeah, Maybe you could, could do
0: like have... three hours of jokes and an hour of table tennis,
1: or three hours of jokes and one hour of booing.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, I, I, haven't see, I haven't seen those uh, suggestions yet, uh, Brocky, but uh, I'll have a look and, uh, yeah, we'll have to come up with something for that 200th show. Ten shows, nine shows time, 191. Okay.
0: coming up quickly. All right, so, well, if you've got any suggestions, leave a comment on our blog at pingskills.com for our 200th show. I love to hear them. All right, Abenav is thinking about buying a table, Alois. Uh, for his home and he's not sure what to look for he doesn't want a really high-end table just something which is not far off a standard table so that he's not in a surprise when he he's not in for a surprise when he plays elsewhere what tips do you have on looking for a table tennis table for home
1: yeah so um so a lot of people go through this uh uh, of of trying to choose a table tennis table, and you can you can get tables from you know really cheap end to really expensive. Um, for for the home and, and for you, Abenhar, what you're looking for is you don't want the the really really expensive end. So the most important thing with a table tennis table is the thickness of the top. So uh, have a look at the specs and work out what the thickness of the top is. Um, The the absolute top end tables have about a thirty millimeter top, Um, but if you can get something with sixteen mils or more, then then that's great. So that's that's the first and most basic thing to think think about. That's going to really
0: yeah. Why is that thickness so important?
1: Yeah, it it helps with the consistency and the height of the bounce. So if you've got something that's really thin and flimsy, the ball isn't gonna bounce very well, and it's also going to have more variations in the bounce. So the, the thicker the piece of wood that that it's bouncing on, then the more stable it is and the better the bounce is gonna be. So so that's, that's the main thing you're looking for, that thickness of the top. Then you need to think about for yourself, um, what you really need. So the first thing is portability. Um, do you need to be packing it up and putting it down all the time? If you do, um, probably the, the best ones, the best tables are the tables that um, you've got the two halves and they fold up and then they sit on a carriage of, of wheels and it's all together um, and you can just roll the whole thing um, together and, and push it away. So they're the easiest because you just put it both up and roll it away. But um, they're also a little bit bulky to store. So that's the other thing you need to think about is storage. So with the storage, think about how how compact um, they pack up. And if storage is an issue for you, then you, um, you're probably better off going for um, the tables that come in two completely separate halves, you can pull the halves apart. Again, though, the um, half a table will fold up onto a carriage of four wheels. And that, um, again, is quite portable. So you can just fold it up and roll it away. Um, and, but also then you can put those two halves together. So it stores a little bit um, more compactly. So... Um, The things to think about are the thickness of the top, the portability, and storage. They're the the main things that you want to think about. And then have a look at the price range of what uh, you want to spend on a table and spend as much as you can because it tends to be that the the more expensive, the thicker the top you're going to get, the better better portability you're going to get as well. Um, The other thing, when you're looking at the portability of it, always look at the wheels on it. Don't go for something with wheels that are this big because they just break and they, um, and they end up. It's like, it's like shopping trolleys, right? So if you get really bad wheels with shopping trolleys, they're, they're going to go everywhere and they're going to break. Go for something that's got a nice big wheel. So something, you know, that sort of size um, is, is good um, when you're looking at the, at the wheels as well. So, yeah, there's a few ideas for you uh, when you're looking for a table there.
0: Good advice. All right, Abhinav. Good luck with your search for a table tennis table. Um, I hope those tips help you out. Now, George has a question. He says, I was wondering about the grip. He goes, um, does using a certain grip enhance your play or can you be just as good with any grip? Yeah, <laughs>
1: There's there's two main grips that we really um, want you to, to focus on to start with, the shake hand grip and or, sorry, or the pinhole grip, okay? So these two grips, I mean, they've been developed over time and there's a reason that players play with those two grips. There's a reason why players or the top players don't have four fingers on the back of the bat, um, one one. Reason is because it's going to cover up a lot of the back when you play backhands. It also reduces the um, the movement in your wrist, all those sorts of things. So, so really, those two grips are th- the base for what you need to start with. You can have some variations with those. Um, you know, you can change the angle of your racket slightly. You can change, um, sorry, you can change the length of where you hold that racket um but you know for, for me just stick with those two grips initially definitely to start with try those those two basic grips out and try to uh, to play with them then if you want to start experimenting with a few variations you can um but you know those those basics are, are really important
0: yeah and i guess if you look at the top players alloys 99.9% of them will use a standard grip you know and doesn't have any real modifications. There might be just an, the odd player that maybe has their finger over the end a bit more or something, just little. But the top players all use them. There's a reason for it. I think your best bet of improving and developing your strokes is to use one of the standard grips.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, yeah, if you, if, you can, if you can stick with that, you know, just do it to start off with. It's probably the easiest way to go.
0: All right. Excellent question, George. Uh, now, Victor E, or Brocky, e, as we know him, has jumped on and asked another question using the Google Q&A app live on the show. So thanks for this question. He says, do you have a tip? My opponent did a really spinny short and low serve, and when I pushed it back even shorter, he does a flick or a side spin flick. If I try to attack or he smashes or topspin, side spin the loop past me, I'm not able to block in time. So, can you help Brocky here when his opponent does a short, low serve?
1: Yeah. So, so Brocky, we, we always say, you know, aim, aim to get that ball low and short. If that's not working, though, you need to think about a couple of things. One, you can just push the ball along. And deep, but make sure it's deep and fast so that uh, you're not giving your opponent time. Or you can just play it a little bit longer. So if you play it really, really short and close to the net and your opponent's ready for that, it's easier for them from close to the net to be able to, to do a lot of things. If you can just push that ball a little bit further back, so still bouncing twice on their side and still nice and low, that means that after the first bounce, they're a little bit further away from the net and it's, um, it's harder for them to get the angles um, and the, the speed on that ball. So, so experiment with those two things. Think about going a little bit longer or going long and fast. Um, and then the other, the other thing, so you've, you've talked about pushing the ball back. Sometimes an opponent can just be really, really good against a push ball. So, what you can do is just roll the ball, flick the ball, and sometimes that roll or the flick doesn't even have to be so good if if the if your opponent doesn't like that type of ball coming at them. So, um, you know, it, it, it sounds silly, but even sometimes you can just roll the ball softly instead of pushing the ball with backspin, and that can throw out their timing or throw out their stroke as well. So, yeah, give, give that a go too. Yeah, right. certainly
0: can. And one other thing, Alice, I noticed is sometimes players don't realise how high they're pushing the ball. Sometimes they think they're pushing the ball low. And we've got a great video on keeping the ball low where you use a little piece of string above the net to kind of give you a really good guide to how high you are putting the ball. And I guess that gives you instant feedback about how high you're putting the ball and it'll be worth trying out, Brock. So I'll put a link in the show notes to the Keeping the Ball Low video and, you know, set up this system and get some feedback on just how low you are keeping the ball. righty, Aloys. Well, that wraps up a big show. That was Episode 191. Like you said, just nine away from the big 200. If anyone's got any suggestions what we should do for Show 200, let us know. Uh, thank you all for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com where you can uh, sign up for a free account and watch all the videos in our strokes and techniques section, including the one on the slow spinny topspin, which we talked about for Technique Tuesday. So keep enjoying your table tennis and we will see you again shortly. Thank you, Alois.
1: Thanks, Jeffrey. And thanks, Pingskillers. Hope you get some table tennis today
0: and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Bye, everyone.